When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. No, I, we know that, uh, one, Eddie, you know, kind of likes those moments, but uh, I'm going to bet on Raj every time. I mean, Raj is as good of a uh, left-hander out of the bullpen as you're going to find anywhere in baseball. Um, he has been for a very long time. Um, I think he just, you know, missed with a pitch in, in the middle of the plate, and, uh, you know, Eddie uh, put a good swing on it, and that, that, that happens sometimes. But, um, you know, again, I'm going to bet on our guy because of uh, the kind of player he is, and uh, in spots like that, he, he comes up big uh vast vast majority of the time raj his guy raj 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 uh, i was wrong by the way before the show here so we're going to start the show with an on-air production meeting okay uh declan said one of us i feel like predicted eddie rosario would have a game-winning hit and i told you guys i think it was judd and i'm pretty sure he said walk off and we will do this officially and write that down next week but Mm -hmm. just so you know the exact phrasing of your prediction, Judd, was Eddie Rosario will have a game-winning hit in at least one game against yeah. the Twins in 2021. Look at you. You know what? the weekend off. And I, correct, might, I, that might predict, I might predict next week that he'll have another one as well because I'm confident <laughs> with how much these two teams play. Rosario will spend his entire season trying to get revenge on the yeah. Twins. Uh, I also have a feeling that Rocco was told by the front office, hey, pump Raj's tires as much as possible to the media because we need to trade him in the next month. All right, just pump his tires. Do you know what helped our, our guy? I figured it out. What helped Rosario? There's no question about it. Red cow. Red cow. Red cow. Red cow. <laughs> Red cow helped. You know what? When I go there, I always feel refreshed. I feel good. Good meal. Great beer selection, right? Wow. Oh, I love uh, Red, Red Cow. I'm working a lot. Red Cow is not even paying for that. No. But we do have openings if you would like to be yes. inserted as Red Cow or somebody else. Please. Send an email to pmackey at scorenorth.com. I will be Are you guys ready time. for a little, little feedback <laughs> Friday here yeah. yes. today? Absolutely. I'll be there every I'll be there. Declan's like, I don't care. Yeah. I'll just be at the end yeah. of the bar. Uh, I'll be there regardless. I said feedback Friday, not feedback Friday. <laughs> Maybe you misinterpreted me. But How about, how about uh, drinking right. Friday, Phil? That that works as well. Uh, we'll get to uh, we'll get to rom com rewind, a mid nineties classic, a little bit later on here. But uh, every Friday we like to go through our social media mentions and the Score North YouTube comment section and take feedback and questions and comments from you guys. And uh, listen, John Appleseed is not even on our payroll, and he says this is my favorite YouTube channel, and I watch a lot of YouTube. Hey. So listen, John. Your check is not in the mail, but we appreciate you. Thank you, you. Johnny Appleseed.
Uh, let's start with uh, Christian Dur. He says, when listening to you guys talk about combo guards who are leading their teams right now, I love how y'all mention Anthony Edwards' potential to be like them. However, unlike the Jazz, Hawks, and Suns, we have two combo guards with the ability to take over games. D'Lo had all the traits you described back when he played in Brooklyn. He had that dog mentality and that clutch gene and all the intangibles. So uh, I feel like we've been really positive and optimistic about the Wolves all week. And Christian is saying, yes, thank you guys for being positive, but... Here's another level to the optimism. When, when you guys look at the Timberwolves, do you look at Ant and D'Lo and say, wow, like they actually have more potential weapons than some of these teams we're seeing late in the NBA playoffs? I guess I don't a little bit because of the the weapons the teams that are still alive have are so strong right now, and Ant's not there yet. He hopefully will develop that. Um, I'm certainly not putting it past Ant to do exactly that. D'Lo doesn't play a lot of defense. I don't. This goes back to what I said a couple days ago. I've got to see what Chris Finch has in store Like once these guys get more practice time and actual work t- together because I think what we got was in a lot of ways throughout the course of 2021, Phil, uh, just sort of snapshots of things. But but when you you know fire your coach in February, bring in a new coach from another organization who clearly can't install a bunch of stuff, you're you're doing your best to make it up as you go along. But, yeah, you know what? The optimism, I think, for the first time in a long time, is warranted. Don't you? Yes, I do. And I know that there's probably a lot of people that, you know, rightfully so, just say, like, if you guys can't. It's been 15 years mostly of just absolute garbage outside of the one Jimmy Butler year. You guys can't continue to sell positivity. I'll believe it when I see it. And I listen, if that's the side of the fence you're on as a Wolves fan, I totally get that. Um, D'Lo, I, I will grant. Uh, Christian here in this YouTube comment, D'Lo with Brooklyn. So, so we think of Brooklyn now as like it's it's the super team. It's Kevin Durant and Kyrie and uh, James Harden and, but the Brooklyn team that popped a couple of years ago was a totally different roster, basically led by D'Lo. I mean, D'Lo had his first breakout All Star season. Um, he was the guy with the ball in his hand at the end of games and. All of the chatter was about how D'Lo has finally, as a former second overall pick, who looked like he might be kind of a bust with the Lakers, and and he and he emerged. And then since then, obviously, he's bounced around to the Warriors and now the Timberwolves. But he was that guy in Brooklyn for a team that went to the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I can I can listen to that for sure. Neither one of those guys plays defense, but um, you know I I don't know how much defense Trey Young has been playing. So um, let's see here, Kong O eight one two on Ben Simmons. Uh, he says, two firsts for one guy who can't shoot? Get the bleep out of here. You complain so much about Rubio and Culver's shooting, yeah, but now you guys want to trade for a guy who can't this, shoot but can only play This is Judd's defense. burner account. This is actually Judd. Well, yeah, hold on a second here. Players. I never said I want to. I, I've expressed reservations about this and genuine concerns about this, but the guy is so good in other facets of the game, I'm not dismissing it automatically. Mm. Uh, I think I so to even put Ben Simmons in the same sentence as Ricky Rubio and Jarrett. I mean, they, these should be three separate sentences. Jarrett Culver <laughs> is a complete bust in every possible way. All right, so yes. he's he's out. Ricky Rubio has been a good, solid contributor and leader for about a decade in the NBA. Who can't shoot? Right. 
Ben Simmons, the only thing he has in common with Ricky Rubio is neither one of them is good at shooting. Rubio is actually a better shooter than Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons is six foot eleven, is maybe the best perimeter defender in the entire league. He's maybe even as good of a passer as Ricky Rubio in terms of just creating looks for his teammates. And he's an excellent rebounder. So, um, like, if you're just putting those guys in the same sentence because they're not that good at shooting, okay, yeah, yeah, like, he can't shoot that well. But he's much more valuable than Ricky Rubio. And don't even get me started putting Jarrett Culver in this sentence. So mm-hmm. if you want to make an argument that he's not going to be that helpful on the Timberwolves and you, or you don't want to give up D'Lo for him, that's fine. But I think people are taking their Ben Simmons slander way too far. Yeah. Like they're, they're taking Reason it beyond surprise. like he can't shoot free throws. You know, Shaq couldn't shoot free throws. Was, was he a worthless garbage player? No, he was dominant in all these other areas. So, And if you're the Wolves, you also, if you make a trade – like that, and you know, just to go back to the comment, let's say you do give up two first round picks. If you have a feel for, for the fact that those first round picks are now going to be, uh, I don't know, one year pick twenty three, and the next year pick twenty five, you'll you'll do that in a heartbeat. So that's the question I think is, what does the trade do for you? How much does the trade improve you? And theoretically, it should a lot. But yes, I am concerned about a guy who appears to be mentally broken right now. And if that's going to come back or I don't know, it just seems it just seems like this is not done yet because Ben Simmons has worked on a shot a ton before he's improved it. And then it goes off the rails again when it matters. No, uh, yeah, I just, I don't see, here's the thing. I don't know how much he's worked on it. I don't know. Are, are you, are you like getting that from like articles we, or something? Yeah, or? We, yeah. We talked about this two or three years back. He was, he were two years back. I think he, he did, did the same thing and he, there's, he's up. not putting in the same work as like top players in the NBA. And if he's putting in like a thousand shots a day and it still looks like that, then someone needs to show him how to work differently. Two <laughs> or three years ago, we, we had the conversation about him and there was no threat. I don't think at the time that he was probably going to be traded back then, but he definitely was attempting to fix things and they, they thought that they could fix it. I'm not positive. It's fixable. Well, he's, I, I don't think he's ever going to be Steph Curry. Like I, but what, I guess what I'm saying is I don't care as much about him not being able to shoot because I don't need him to be the number one player on my team. I need him to be the number three player on my team and fix a bunch of things that the other players can't fix. But you'll care about it in the playoffs if if he basically can't shoot. Like I, get, he, I get what you're saying, but I think if you get to where the Sixers were, it becomes a real issue. And to me, it was way more mental than probably something that he was actively doing wrong. I I think he gets psyched out by the moment, the situation, and then it becomes even worse than it was previously. And I'm saying it was it was more of an issue with the Sixers because Ben Simmons is actually a great scorer inside 15 feet. He gets to the rim at will. And the problem with Philadelphia is Joel Embiid wants to be down there too. And so Simmons is sort of left like, all right, well, if he's going to be down there, then I'm gonna, I got to be out here on the perimeter. And, it just, and then teams can leave him open, and it's, it's weird. It's like when the... I mean, it really is, if you want to make the Rubio comparison, you know, there were all those years the first time around for Rubio where things would get too clogged, like Gorgie would be down there and they would, they'd have like Wiggins couldn't really shoot. And so, you know, at the end of these games, defenses could just pack in the paint and dare Ricky Rubio to shoot the ball. Mm -hmm. So much like we talked about with Rubio, he needs to be on a a team with a bunch of shooters so that he can just drive in, kick, and and then they can put the opposing team in the spin cycle. Ben Simmons needs to be on a team with shooters. 
And so, you know, if you have to wind up trading Malik Beasley and D'Lo, who are two of your best shooters, to get him, then maybe it doesn't make sense. But if he's on a team with Cat, who can shoot, D'Lo, who can shoot, Beasley, who can shoot, and again, you're, there's almost no way to acquire him and keep all those guys. Right. But if he goes to a team where he's got three or four shooters and doesn't have a guy clogging the lane, then I think this conversation would be a lot different. Because there are a lot of good players in the NBA that don't shoot well from three or free throw range. Um, Russell Westbrook can't shoot. I mean, right, but he's yeah, not, people talk about it a little bit, but... Right, but he's not broken mentally. That That's what I would need to find out. Like, like there's a big, there's a difference between knowing what you do and don't do well and being comfortable and even to a certain point, probably cocky, and then just being broke when it actually matters most. And then, and then it becomes a problem. So yeah. like if, if he's like, you know what, here's what I do well, don't care about the rest or I'm fine. I'm actually more okay with that than, oh my God, it's the playoffs. What's going on? TNT is <laughs> talking about me again, aren't they? What's, what's Chuck saying? Sure. Um, we posted a poll a few days ago, right after the NBA draft lottery uh, froze the Wolves out. Okay, now that we know that it's the seventh overall pick and Andrew Wiggins for D'Lo, now that the trade is complete, was it worth it? And we posted two potential answers. No, it was too steep of a price. Or yes, had to say goodbye to Wiggins. 71% said yes, it was worth it to say goodbye to Andrew Wiggins. Are you guys surprised by that result? I'm pleasantly surprised a little bit, but I really think that the majority of fans, the, the thing about it is the people that push back on Twitter lots of times are in the minority, and we see that and think, oh, my God, the fans think this, right? I think the majority of people totally got that. And and the important thing is with Wiggy, he had to be traded, and they were Golden State. I don't care what he does there or did there uh, this past season. Golden State was doing you a favor by taking the contract. So, so like, it wasn't a, oh, my God, look how Andrew Wiggins, he scored 40. Well, of course he did sometimes. He's going to do that. That's him. He'd do it here, too. Uh, but this notion of of some that, oh, my God, he had a good game. I mean, look at what he's doing there. It was never the point. The point was, will you take the contract, and can we get something back? And the first round pick was the sweetener of, okay, we'll take it, right? So I do think a lot of people get that. I But the people that go on Twitter and complain and moan and groan, look to be the majority when they're really, really not. Yeah, that that's this is probably a good reflection of what you just said, which is I kind of felt like it would be the opposite. I legitimately thought like two-thirds of people would say, oh, my God, you gave up that much for D'Lo? You know, he never plays? So pleasantly surprised, too. Like, it, it's, it's revisionist history to say, well, that's too much to give up. In the moment, everybody was saying, you just have to get – Andrew Wiggins out of here at mm-hmm. any cost. And I think we even were asking, would you attach a first-round pick to him? We did. Just to be done with it. We 100% and, did for quite a and while. Like, and our answer was, yeah, just just whatever. Just first-round pick, okay, just go away. And if you look at you know seventh overall picks in the last 20 or 25 years in NBA history, it's a lot of just kind of meh players. Steph Curry was a seventh overall pick, but Randy Foy, um, I mentioned Bismack Biombo on our show with Dan the other day. Like, just a bunch of random dudes that you would totally... I think Corey Brewer was a seventh overall pick mm-hmm. by the Timberwolves. So would you trade Andrew Wiggins and Corey Brewer for D'Lo to get rid of that contract? A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. If that had been the fourth pick, it hurts a lot. I think the seventh pick? Okay, cool. Yeah. 
It's kind of funny that in like in the NFL draft, the seventh pick could still be a franchise quarterback or something. But in the NBA draft, it's like it's Jared Culver. <laughs> yep, yeah. exactly. What was he sixth <laughs> overall or something, something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I tweeted out the other day here, Feedback Friday. It drives me nuts when people say the Twins should just be done with Buxton or just get rid of him. The Twins are one hundred and fifty-two over the last three years when Buxton plays. Couple responses on both sides of the fence. Amish guy says, how many chances is he going to get? This is becoming ridiculous, in my opinion. Might as well get the Minnesota sports curse headed toward its logical conclusion. A trade to the Yankees, where he'll play 162 games a season (laughs) for most of the remainder of his career and become a Hall of Famer. Greg Warren says, figure out a way to work with him. Do anything you can to keep him in the lineup. If the Twins trade him, I am out on this franchise. He can be a greater difference maker than Kirby Puckett. And I don't mean to disregard a legend, but look at the results. So your thoughts on this? Because I think a lot of people are now in the camp of, oh, my God, like how many more times? Just be, just get rid of him. Just be done with it. So now that you guys have had sort of the week to, to think on this, Buxton, well, he got how hit do by, you respond to that? Uh, he got hit by a pitch now. I, and I don't know how you – look, there, there was a time where I wrote multiple columns saying – Quit crashing the fences. Quit trying to scale the wall. You're you're doing this to yourself. You're diving for the ball in Cleveland and suffering a whiplash concussion, and that was frustrating. But my God, look at now. I mean, the hip. He's running like he's running to first base. Uh, he gets hit by a pitch against the same team, the Reds. He gets hit in the head right before the playoffs. Suffers another concussion. Then he comes back and gets hit in the hand. It breaks his hand. So. I don't know what the answer here is because this is the worst luck I've ever seen a person have as far as just can never stay on the field, but I don't blame him. And I really do believe he wants to play badly. The The only thing I said when I didn't play him in Seattle and then they eventually activated him in Texas on Saturday of last week was my belief is if it's something he can play through, you, you need to get rid of this. He has to be 100% or he's not playing. But bleep that. He can be 65%. He's still a generational talent. So, but I don't know what you do here. And to be clear, the one thing is I know a lot of fans are mad at him. And I guess my question now is why? Like, look at the injuries. He's not doing anything now to get hurt. I mean, he got hit by a pitch. That's not really his fault. So, well, I think they're mad, period. And, and like, it's frustrating. There's no one to take, like, he's just there to take your frustration out on it, right? I mean, is there anything he could do? But don't you, I, but don't you at times feel empathy for a guy like this? That's what I feel. I feel empathy for him. Like, if he was doing stupid things or he was a stupid player <laughs> or, or he didn't, or, or he sat out a lot, you know, he's like, I need an, another day off. And, uh, then I'd be mad at him, but he's not. I feel empathy for, for him. And I feel, Empathy for us, too, because here's the thing. I want to watch this guy play. Do you know how much fun this guy is to watch play? Like, this is, a this is again, I, I think I, I said this before I got hurt. A player baseball needs. This is a player baseball needs badly. Is this the first time in your life you felt empathy, Judd? Yeah. For an athlete? For an athlete. I felt, for anyone. I felt some for Teddy when his knee buckled, because that was really buckled. sad. Wasn't he buckled? Exploded. His leg blew up. Exploded. My knee buckles when I when okay, I go his, to the fridge. He, he, his it exploded. Blew up. <laughs> very very sad. I felt empathy for him. Yeah, I mean I don't buckled. I don't feel well. It buckled and then blew up. I don't often feel empathy, but the Buxton thing just makes me really sad because, I mean, he's such a fun player. You, you know what? The Sano thing, deep down, 
It's frustrating. I don't care oh, that don't much. Care. But I mean, you know what? Miguel Sano, okay, bust, whatever, dude. You you had your chance. You helped blow it. You might n- never as have been as good as we thought you were going to be. All of that's true. But I really deep down don't care. Buxton, I care deeply. I want to see this guy play. He is a he would be one of the best athletes I think in the history of sports in this town. If he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. With he's, that skill set. I mean he's he's one of the five best players in baseball right now yeah. when he's on the field. And I would say I think so he's played 152 games or whatever it is, which is about half the games that they've played cuz what they played 162 in 2008. Yeah. So this goes back to the beginning of 19. So 162 then they played Carried 60, so 220, and mm-hmm. they've played 70. So they've played about 300 games, and he's played about half. Yep. And the fact that they win two out of every three games when he's on the field is nuts. And I don't know if that's sustainable. Obviously, part of it is because they, they've also had Nelson Cruz, and they've had, they've had a good team. It's not as simple as Byron Buxton and random dudes. Um, but I would, would I pay $30 million a year for, for 50% of you know, attendance? Um, no, but people are just dismissing his impact. You'd rather have him for half the games than not have him at all. And then it comes down to, well, okay, how much money is his agent going to want full price? It's kind of like back in the day when the wolves and flip Saunders were negotiating with Nikola Pekovic and his agent, this is Doogie was reporting on this and his agent said, well, I think my guy's a max player. He's a 20 and 10 guy. He's one of the best interior scorers in the NBA, and Flip Saunders said, I agree, he's a max guy, prorated to the 60% of games he plays every year. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much the conversation, right? Like, I'd rather have 50% of games with him having an impact than not have him at all. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have loved and lost than oh. to never have loved and him. And I think he's going to walk. I do think he's going to walk. Or maybe he'll be on crutches. <laughs> he'll crutch away. Maybe he'll limp. Crawl that's away. awful. You're heartless. You're heartless. I love how the tables have turned. Judgment a sociopath yeah. on this show for seven years with no emotion, no, no empathy. All all players no, but are. This guy, I want to see These players play. aren't. You literally on Purple Daily last week were ranting about how like these players aren't humans. You oh, must football treat players them are, as football players aren't humans. Uh, these players they're, are they're entities. Pieces of a puzzle. <laughs> football players are pieces. You know how brutal that sport is. You think they care about people in football? Ha. Apparently, apparently baseball's brutal too. If you ask Byron Buxton. So. Yeah, well, it's true. All right, that's Feedback Friday here. Yeah, you can you can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, the YouTube comment section. We've got two YouTube channels: YouTube.com/scorenorthmn and Purple Daily Podcast. Click that subscribe button, and we'll in turn uh, give you daily Minnesota sports entertainment. Um, you guys want to jump into the main event here? Oh, yeah. A little rom-com rewind. I am ready. ready All right, let's do this. Let's fire this up. He started coming to my booth between 8.01 and 8.15 every morning, Monday through Friday, and he was just perfect. My Prince Charming. Well, we've we've never actually spoken, but I know someday we will. I know it. I just know it, and... I know that someday I will find a way to introduce myself, and and that's going to be perfect. Just like my prince. If you thought these guys spent every waking hour of their lives doing manly things like watching sports while yelling at their TVs, shaving with straight razors, and revving their V8 truck engines, well, yeah, think again. It's time for Mackie and Shot to turn in their... 
man cards. This is Rom-Com Rewind. Obviously, this is very manly. How did this happen? Um, he was pushed from the platform at the train station. Who's she? She's his fiance. His fiance? Yeah. Peter's fiance? Yeah. He's engaged? Well, yeah. No, 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 he no, 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 they weren't attacks. They were episodes. Oh, jeez. What's wrong with your hearing? That's not Peter, that's Jack. Ah, uh, who's Jack again? Peter's brother. So Peter's the guy that's in the coma. Yeah. So then why did you bring Jack? I didn't bring Jack. He followed me here. So Jack's the fiancé. No, Peter. Peter doesn't even know you exist. I know. So Jack is Peter. Yeah. Lucy. Yeah. They have doctors for this kind of thing. <laughs> I can tell Judd's just disgusted already. This is amazing. <laughs> Welcome to Rom-Com Rewind, part of the Mackie and Judd movie review franchise. Action movie rewind, sports movie rewind, and Rom-Com Rewind every single Friday here on Mackie and Judd. And gentlemen, we go back to the mid-1990s for this Rom-Com. One of the breakout roles for Sandra Bullock, While You Were Sleeping, 1995. Here's the summary. Lonely transit worker Lucy Eleanor Moderates, played by Sandra Bullock, pulls her longtime crush, Peter, from the path of an oncoming train. At the hospital, doctors report that he's in a coma, and a misplaced comment from Lucy causes Peter's family to assume that she is his fiance. When Lucy doesn't correct them, they take her into their home and confidence. Things get even more complicated when Lucy finds herself falling for Peter's sheepish brother, Jack, played by Bill Pullman. 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says, While You Are Sleeping is built wholly from familiar ingredients, but assembled with such skill and with such a charming performance by Sandra Bullock that gives gives formula a good name. $17 million for a budget turned into $182 million at the box office. Sandra Bullock, Peter Gallagher, Bill Pullman. We'll start with Judd. What was your main takeaway from while you were sleeping? So the wife and I actually in 95 paid to see this film. Now I had forgotten a lot about it. And, you know, obviously back then at the tender age of 25, I didn't watch it with a critical eye. I did now. Uh, My takeaway is this. You had, you had amnesia. I feel it's, um, I feel that I must revisit rom-com Rewind from a week ago, because I believe I said my takeaway from You've Got Mail, correct? That's what, what we did last week, was that Tom Hanks' character was a scum of the earth, who was, but, but it was Tom Hanks. And so we said, oh, I love Tom Hanks, yep. but he was a bad guy because like he wasn't truthful. He, wasn't, he was basically stringing along uh, this poor woman that he ended up liking and, uh, you know, hurt her in some ways that was really unnecessary. Well, let me fast forward to while you were sleeping. Okay. Sandra Bullock, who at that time sort of was the sort of was a Tom Hanks-ish actress, you know, that she's likable and people loved her. And it was the, oh, I went, what did I do? What's going on? How's that? Oh, you're my family now. Um, and I would draw the parallel. I would draw the parallel in some ways with, with uh, 
Reese Witherspoon in Sweet Home yeah. Alabama. But Sandra Bullock's, her character, Lucy's inability to tell the truth through basically this entire film, the entire film where she's counting on the next door neighbor to straighten things out eventually, okay. where she spends the whole film... <laughs> Right. Make makes her as bad as Tom Hanks was. Oh. Like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? What are you doing, Lucy? Like, at some point in time, you got to come clean. And don't allow the writers to write, oh, another misunderstanding. I was going to tell them. Oh, my God. And, you know, and, and Bill Pullman play, playing who always played Bill Pullman. Yes. You know. True. Um, <laughs> that long lost uh, puppy dog look of, oh, you've hurt my feelings. But anyway, that's my takeaway. My takeaway was Lucy in a lot of ways is no better than Tom Hanks's character for allowing this poor family through the court. Now I get the start. Why? Because, because of the heart condition of the older lady, I get that. But at some point in time, don't you got to tell them the truth? Don't you got to? And the neighbor did the same thing. That's my takeaway. Go ahead, Declan. Uh, my my main takeaway from this film is I've doubled down on my love for Sandra Bullock. So everything oh, she's that she's great, everything that Judge just said about Sandra, I couldn't disagree more. You got a blue collar, hardworking woman here. All right, loves mustard only on her hot dogs. By the way, That's are you mistake. kidding me? That's, That's a, you, you're, you're now you're really reeling me in. Uh, the girl next door vibe, a hopeless romantic. I I can get down with the hopeless romantic. I'm not all in on the hopeless romantic, but uh-huh. like. Prince Charming on the train hasn't said anything to her. Okay, you can, you know, um, you know, fantasize whatever, however you want there. I love Sandra in this movie. She's the girl next door. I've never Good. heard. The fact you have even took, taken her character. She's a terrible person. And made her out to be a terrible person. I don't know how you sleep at night. Because she is, like, the best <laughs> woman of all. Like, you actually had something negative to say about Sandra Bullock. I've never heard Tom, anyone say that about oh, Sandra yeah, Tom, Bullock. But Tom Hanks last week, same thing. Same exact thing. Because they're so lovable, you can make them despicable, and we still love them. All right. Okay. I, I'm going to jump in here because I think I'm going to be I'm gonna be a little bit more the middle ground, sliding slightly more with Judd. Oh, God. So my main takeaway, so let me let me draw a distinction here. <laughs> I feel like Judd Judd's off when he's trying to compare Joe Fox from yeah. so Tom Hanks character Joe Fox and Lucy from While You Were Sleeping. Joe Fox was sociopathic. Like Joe Fox took pleasure in manipulating women. Like he had all this information and he was manipulating, and it seemed like he was I'm trying to think of the word like um, he was sort of maliciously manipulating Meg Ryan in that movie, Mm -hmm. ending her business. Mm -hmm. He found out that she was the one that he was chatting with and he and he held that information unbeknownst to her over her head for weeks, for weeks. Right. I would say Lucy is more just hopelessly creepy. This movie is extraordinarily creepy because of Lucy. Okay, let's go through the list of things here that Lucy um, either did or or like the the reasons why Lucy is creepy and obsessive. Okay, so the first 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 of all, she's obsessing over a guy that she's never met before. Like he comes to the toll booth every day, and she's fantasizing about you know them being married someday and whatnot. Okay, um, then the action starts. So he gets mugged and pushed into the uh, train tracks, and you'll notice the first creepy thing she did was instead of saving him right away. She leans down and smells the cologne on his neck. 
Okay. Yeah, you she was it. looking a for bit a pulse. Red she was looking for yeah. a pulse. She was looking for a pulse. But then she commented, know, "You dude. smell good." Well, yeah, because if because if he smells good, you smell good, dude. That, he's that's an unconscious, life in danger I, on the train tracks, and oh she is leaned over him, smelling his the, the neck. He might have been dead. She might have been smelling the neck of a dead body. Just starts all, making out with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's dead. So she. She comes back to the hospital at night to talk to him, and she has a conversation with him while he's in a coma, and then spends the night which with I, a man that she's never met before. Which is not, I don't think, by hospital standards, legal. Well, you're Vis- supposed to be family. Remember that one guy was very and adamant. And visiting hours, though. Like, you yeah. get kicked out as family. You're supposed to go home. So, so then all the things Judd says, she refuses to just you know correct the, uh, the misinterpretation of who she was, shows up at the family Christmas party, um, goes through his wallet and his belongings and then shows up to his apartment. I mean, it is full on like this is restraining order level stalker creepy here from Lucy. But I don't think it's malicious. I think she's just sort of a hopeless, yeah, she's a hopeless single, romantic. desperate woman. OK, yeah. but yeah. at some point in time, you've got to tell the family the truth. And she never does. And the neighbor knows, too, and he doesn't. But I but the parallel I'm drawing is. At that time period, Tom Hanks and and Sandra Bullock were basically very much the same person as far as we can cast them as either a really devious bad guy in Joe Fox or in the case of Lucy, just the sort of misguided person who's not telling the truth and stalking and people will watch it and like them because Dex is right. She's incredibly likable still. Yeah. Just Sandra Bullock. But I mean, you would have her arrested. A little creepy. I would personally have her picked up by the cops. What was your favorite thing about this movie, Judd? I didn't have a lot of things that I loved about this film, but I will. What? I didn't have a lot of that. No, I'm sorry. It's too long. Didn't really enjoy it. It's too long. It's like an hour hour and and 40 minutes. I know. I still felt like it was too long. You. Oh my! A movie God. could be thirty minutes, but I'd be like, "Not nah, ten minutes shorter." Could have been ten minutes shorter. No, that's not true. I every week I every week I weigh in here and tell you that all, that some films are just fine card. and some films aren't. Yes. Judd watches the local news and thinks the weather report is yeah. too long. For God's sake! Actually, yeah. that is true. Could have been shorter. They need the barometer info. Could have been shorter. I'd like some more sports, please. Um, so my favorite part of th- this film might surprise you, but it is actually Sandra Bullock. Um, she was great at this role. She was fantastic. And her character, Lucy and Annie and Speed, are basically the same person in different circumstances. Mm. Smart asses, oh, yeah. um, tomboyish, but still attractive, yes. if that makes sense. Not yeah. really not really sexy, but definitely oh, they're, they're good looking. But definitely cute. Yep. Pixie-ish, is that the right word? Uh, she played this role really well, and they wrote this role for her continually, which was a box office smash. But I, I just think actually, her yeah, speed character. They actually it? didn't. They actually didn't write this role for her, which we'll get to in person. Oh, no, but I'm saying that she thrived. But mm. anyway, I think her character in Speed and in this film are very similar, um, s- sort of lonely but looking for love. So she was my she was my favorite part of the film because I feel like there's actresses they could have cast who wouldn't have been nearly as effective as she as she was and if you weren't as effective as she was I think this film really suffers mm. Dex my favorite part is the family I love the family in this movie this family is just like your classic crazy loving boisterous family reminds me of my family um I mean Peter Boyle too by the way Love me some Peter That's his Boyle. Raymond dad character. Yeah. I, I think that's how the they same. found that character. He, mm-hmm. he pretty much plays Raymond's dad 
He's as a, like a prequel to to that series. Totally. He's a little nicer in this. Yeah. But like the gruff stuff, oh, that that is him as Ray's dad. Yeah. And original Frankenstein too, I believe too, from from the like the thirties, from the forties. He's an old dude. He died Young in Frankenstein. 06. No, he, Young Frankenstein. He played yeah, in, which, which he's great in. Yep. And from the 70s. So I, I love I love the crazy family. I love Bill Pullman. I mean, Bill Pullman, Judd is right. He plays like the same dude almost in every film. He does. He, he could really be the does. president or he could be like Jack the furniture maker guy. Right. And it's just he's got this. He always has the same look. I know something beyond <laughs> what's being said. And I'm trying to figure out what's really happening. Like he's got that inquisitive look on his face he, all the time. He perfected at some point in time also the um, – it's not – is smirk the right word? He does something with his mouth. It's sort of a smirk, but it's not It's not yeah. as annoying as a smirk. Sure. But it's yeah. sort of this, like, lost, like, look. Like, and yeah, that's, it's like it, – yeah, he's trying to – I don't know. He's – Like, he's trying to figure something like, out? He's very, he's very philosophical. Like, yes. he's very – he's, you know, he's a thoughtful guy. Yes. Um, but yes, I love I love the family. Like yeah. they just take her in, good. and then and then I know she falls in love with the brother, and they seem to kind of understand that by the end of the film, which is nice. I liked it. I love the family. The family is my favorite part of this movie. So yeah, you guys kind of hit on my my two favorite things here too, uh, which are Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. I love Sandra Bullock. I love Miss Congeniality. I love I love all of the net. Like she was so great throughout the '90s and early 2000s. Um, and Bill Pullman. I love the scene at the very end. I love the way that he proposed. My favorite part of the movie might have been when she's back in the booth and she thinks this whole saga is over and all of a sudden Bill Pullman shows up with the whole family and drops the ring in the little uh, like coin slot and says, I got to ask you a question or so whatever, whatever he said. I mean, that would come on. That tugged at my heartstrings. I feel like they maybe should have dated for a little while before he yeah. jumped yeah. in and proposed. I, there was so much about That's this a, film that was not plausible. Yeah. There was so <laughs> much about like they they didn't even um, show you a hint in the script of trying to be like yeah you know what that's probably too much they just went for it. <laughs> they did so, uh, but I think yeah everything about just the Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock and there is we'll get into all the other things that were flawed about it, but I just love I love both of them as actors and I thought and I'm foreshadowing one of my later categories here by saying how much I love them. But all right, Joe, what was your least favorite thing about this movie? Okay. So I'm with Dex. I liked the family. Like it's well-written. They're funny for the most part. They're good actors, but my least favorite part among the implausibility of this film was the family. All right. So let me review their, their son is in the hospital in a coma and they clearly have no idea when he's going to wake up. So, like, he is in a coma, and it's not like a one-day coma. It is, as far as I could tell, weeks long that he is in a coma, laying in a hospital bed. My guess is at some point in time, fairly close to death, because I don't think that you lapse into a coma for that long and are like, hey, I'm doing fine. Yeah, um, considering how dire the situation was, everybody was, like, really light. And well, and that's what I was going to say. And, like, and my least favorite part is, dead. and my least favorite part is the family goes along with business as usual they're acting like he's on a trip okay they're they're acting like he's going to be fine lucy's part of the family hey come over we're still having all our parties all of our all of our parties all on no problem at all oh jack's coming back because because peter is in a coma that's great we'll get to see jack let's have another party let's get the eggnog out let's have the mistletoe out it's christmas time but what about peter who's in a coma oh he'll be fine we'll go they visit him like he had a kidney stone 
<laughs> it's so true. They show up at the hospital like, like he had a kidney stone. He's dying. <laughs> so pretty, pretty accurate, actually. Uh, but I mean, like, Peter Boyle's like, oh, yeah. I mean, they when they go and see him originally and meet her for the first time, they're, like, yucking it up around his bed. Dude, yep. It's amazing. Like, he literally might be dead. Might Gosh, never snap out of Might be brain thing. dead. Yep. All right, Dax, what was your least favorite part All of right. this All right, uh, this, this might be a little controversial, but I, I could not stand Joe Jr., the, the, the landlord's son that is yeah. trying to, like, woo Sandra Bullock throughout the entire film. Dude, he, he, he's a he's humongous in, creep. He was in Rounders. He plays kind of the Law same. Law Order, he, he was in a bunch. Yeah. He kind of the, plays the same guy, head. basically. Wears a, wears a robe and, like, hasn't shaved in a few days. He's like a mafia yeah. sta- uh, guy, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Trying yes. on her like shoes and stuff. Yeah. I like. I he was like kind of the little comic relief part of the film. I get what they were trying to do, but the every scene with him, I was like, I can't stand this dude at all. He yeah. was easily my least favorite part of the entire movie. Could not I stand. He added a, I thought he added a layer. Like she needed some sort of. She needed some sort of like creeper guy that like to, to set her standards. That she wasn't just going to settle for anyone. It had to be somebody above you know creepy Joe guy. But uh, yeah, he was kind of uh, kind of creep, kind of made me uncomfortable. Kind of a creep. Um, I have a, I actually have two or three candidates here for <laughs> least favorite thing. I would say, um, I'll go with this one. It gives me anxiety, and this happens in all kinds. I feel like this was a major thing in like rom coms or like where the main character gets in a situation because they can't spit out the truth. They keep getting interrupted, and I hate that in movies. And so she tried like five different times to say, well, actually, yep. like she even at one point halfway through the movie, she's like, everybody, I, I need to tell the truth about something. You're not pregnant. Right. And then they just like hijack the, the whole conversation. And, so right. and nobody, nobody ever goes back and says, oh, like, give her a minute to talk. She has something to say. Right. It's just like she tries to spit out the truth and then gets interrupted or derailed in some way. And then the movie just keeps moving forward. Right. It's like, yes. there's no. Does nobody stop and listen, or does she not stop and say, "Hey, everyone, shut up for a second. <laughs> I just met this guy. I saved his life. You know, like the the whole movie is based on these weird miscommunications that could have easily been prevented by literally anyone. Her first and foremost saying, "Oh yeah, no, I'm not his fiance, but I mean, I just want to know if he's okay." And to that point, who is the nurse to announce this to? Yeah, because she's the one that yeah, says. Yeah. That's his fiance. Like, who are you to tell the family that? And again, they're all like, "Oh, fiance, yeah. that's great." And he's dying. And, and and by the way, okay, what was the so so had he been estranged from his family? Or is he yeah. he's a busy professional guy? Like, so so uh, is this an Aaron Rodgers situation where, no. where he has alienated his family? Because they certainly acted like they're super tight. Right. I don't think it's alienated. I think it was more of he left the family business yeah. to go be a lawyer, and then they were pissed off about that and then he was basically like living his own life and didn't want to be as part of the crazy boisterous family he was kind of the black sheep it seemed but this goes down a really good path because as far as i could tell they all lived in chicago so how would you not know he's engaged like it'd be one thing if they lived in california right we never see him and now oh my god he's engaged but from what i could gather they all lived the, the family was in the suburbs of chicago and he was downtown but yeah, how would they not know anything like like unless he just shut them out, which they pretty much made clear he didn't shut them out completely. That's a really good question. There's also a lot of there's also that scene, I think, in the church pew where the father I love that scene. someone asks you like, like, you know, 
if he was really engaged, wouldn't he announce it in the Tribune? And the father goes, we read the Sun-Times yeah. in this family. That's kind of a funny little little newspaper rival comment. Uh, all right, what are we on, like, least believable? Yes. Least believable. Judd. Hold on a sec. I got, like, eight notes here. Yeah, there's a lot of least believable in this movie. Uh, let me see. Let's see. Which one do I want here? Hey, real quick, so before, you, yes. before you pick that, can I go back to the hot dog thing? So, yeah, sure. The mustard hot dog. I feel like there was, like, three different times where – was that her boss, by the way? Who was that guy? The Yeah. Yep. the hot dog guy or the the, the like no the, 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 no, the guy that she to. was con, the, that she was confiding that in was oh, yeah. that, was her, that was her boss yeah that was yeah. her boss so her and her boss just go eat hot dogs every day they just yeah. walk around eating hot yeah. dogs every day I mean that sounds like my dream just walking that is, around this is my point just this hot is, dogs and the vendor stands. but the vendor knew what her boss took and and never knew what she took this is also pretty funny. okay I'm glad you brought that up this is another thing that I wonder about and I used to, I used to wonder about this when I was a kid like oh when you become an adult. Do you just walk into an establishment and hit the counter and say, I'll have the usual? Do I, is it like you I walk mean, into it, well, you, you belly up at a bar and you and well, you say hi to the bartender and you say, I'll have the usual? There's, there's clearly establishments where you walk in and they know the bars what you I do. want. Yeah. Red Cow, Red Declan, Cow and Red Rabbit, my coffee Declan shop wants? I go to three times a week okay. before I come in the office. Let me ask you this. If you were to walk, what's the, what's the restaurant right now, Declan? Is it Red Rabbit? Like the one where you probably feel the most like, People there know you. Red Rabbit. You know them. Red, Red Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah. At the bar area? Yes. Easily. So if you were to belly up at the bar right now, mm-hmm. or let's say tonight at Red Rabbit. Very likely. And you, were to, and, and you made eye contact with one of their, and by the way, they're not paying us for this, but Red Rabbit is amazing. You can find them downtown Minneapolis <laughs> off Washington Avenue, and they have amazing cocktails. Great price, You too. slide in. Declan. You sit down at the bar, and Declan Goff says, how's it going? I'll have the usual. What happens in response? Uh... They usually pour me a Manhattan on the rocks. That's usually so they would exactly, know. Yeah, they would. It, I'll say, he, pre-pandemic, yeah. I knew all the wait, wait, I know wait, wait, yes, staff. He's there. right. Yeah. Post-pandemic, they've hired new people. There's some people that don't know, but the GM knows me. Like the GM knows me very, very well. Knows me by name, so she knows what. Like she knows exactly what I want when I sit down. Mm-hmm. But yes, usually, like especially pre-pandemic, I would sit down there, and they exactly would pour me a Manhattan. It would mm-hmm. pretty much be okay. light and day. Yeah. I also think it's a case too. Lots of times, especially at a bar, where they will say to you, "Do you want the usual?" usual. So it's not like you're. Wow. So it's not like you're being arrogant and being like, "Give me the regular," and they're like, uh, "What's that?" So, so like they'll ask me, "Do, do you want your X, Y, or Z beer?" For instance, that's ordinarily and, how it works and, for me. And some, X, Y, Z. I mean, buffalo it could wings. be three beers. I mean, bu- bunnies. I had that. Yeah. I mean, I'd go in, and and there was, I would say, there were at least three bartenders, two or three for sure. That knew exactly yeah. what I drank. I've had this once in my life for a stretch, and I and I've had, I've had like plenty of bars and establishments. Speed down around like St. Anthony, Maine, when I lived down there for three years, where I definitely am on a first name basis, and you yuck it up, right? But I would I would differentiate my order enough to where there wasn't like a usual. Okay. Mm. But the one time in my life, and it was for like three years, I used to go from like 2010 through 2013. I used to go to Bulldog Northeast oh. almost like probably probably four days a week. Yeah, Great location. Coming home, Great. like get yeah. done with the radio show. And I would go there and I would just and – and I made friends that are still my friends today that would be there just working and stuff. Bust out your laptop. And uh, and I would always get a beer that was called Mannequin Piss. I don't even know if they make it anymore. But it was literally like I would, ne- I would sit down and the bartender would just pour a Mannequin Piss and put it in front of me without any interaction yeah, that's whatsoever. Not, yeah. and, I, that's what and, I, and I felt like, yes, I'm – 
I am Bill it Pullman. It feels good. It feels or nice. I am Sandra Bullock, I guess. Yeah, it feels good. And yeah, also, like, absolutely. even at my even at my coffee shop, which I go to, like, two or three times a week before the show today, like, I am a no BS. Like, I just want my coffee. I want my light roast coffee, no cream. And then, like, today, there was a person in front of me who was doing the classic yuck it up, like, well, where's the other person that works? What about this? Song? Oh, no, get well, him like, out. I can't out. stand that. I'm with like, you. I, I honestly want them to look at me and know, like, oh, Declan is in line. Let's just pour his Move coffee. Him. He will pay <laughs> yes. when it's time to pay. But please... Stop yucking it up. Yep. I, 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 this is an expediting process. There's a line here. And we Please don't need friends. Along. We don't yes. need friends. We need service. Please move along. I love Amazing. what you just said. That's, that's exactly. Okay. Anyway, All right. Back to the Least movie. believable. So here's mine. There's a lot of things here. Big picture, small. I'm going to go small picture with one thing that I think is indicative of, of the writing in this film, which clearly was based on the fact that they knew that they had a good cast and didn't really care much about how they wrote the film itself in some ways. The scene where where Lucy and it's Jack, right? That's Pullman's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where Lucy and Jack are taking a walk, and it's one of the first times they've taken a walk, and they're in front of her apartment, and he's going to help her navigate the ice to get to her front door. But if you watch it, they seemingly decide to walk in the iciest area possible. Yes, like dude. there's clearly a I, sidewalk on the side that they that's could. That's because fall. she's creepy. Like, right. But I mean, but she takes him or he takes her, take your pick, across this like ice laden, look like a bleeping skating rink. And I think it was grass. Like nobody mm-hmm. in their right mind would do this. And of course, they end up falling and come close to kissing. But anyway, that to me is a poster child moment for this film and how little the writers cared about plausibility and instead just went for, they basically went for as many things as they possibly could when it came to misunderstandings and how can we make things as uncomfortable as possible for the characters. To me, that was the cheesiest part of the entire, was that, that whole scene on the ice like that just, it, they clearly wrote that part in of like, oh, what if we had them slip and fall for the next 90 seconds? Oh, and he'll rip his pants and, yeah. oh, do you have a pair of pants for me? Oh, if you've been to my pants, I'm going to kill myself. Just and then like, she looks, she <laughs> looks <laughs> them out the window, whole, his pants are ripped, I will and she's say, looking at his butt. I will say, we'll, we'll get to our ranks eventually. That scene alone dropped it down at least one, one score for me immediately wow. just on that wow, 90 dude. second scene. I wow. hated that scene. Wow. I, I mean, I, there's a whole nother discussion here about just what if, if you were in Jack's shoes and now Jack was skeptical about whether he actually about whether his brother actually knew this woman or not. Like his radar was up. Yep. Part of it was his radar is up and part of it is Bill Pullman just looks like he's always like mm-hmm. sniffing around something, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you were in Jack's shoes, I mean, he's like he's kind of a homewrecker because he doesn't he never truly proved and figured out that there was no relationship between. Lucy and his brother, right? So as he's going through and like flirting with her, hugging her and intimate conversations, you know, it's his brother's fiance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we should talk about that for a minute. Like, and then there's that weird mistletoe scene where the family urges them to kiss each other. That's in that, my notes that, too. Like, what, yeah. like, That's but, another weird scene. Yeah. I don't know. The whole, the whole dynamic and like, I feel like Jack is a terrible brother to Peter. Oh, Got to be honest. He is. But they sort of established you know? that they do a pretty good job of establishing the, the fact that he's the that he's he's the not as smart one and stuff. But yeah, he definitely he definitely goes a long way towards sabotaging his relationship with his brother when when he like barely knows this girl too. 
Yeah. Well, I think though uh, he right. he knows though that something is wrong here. Like he, he's fit, yes. like he clearly has a brother instinct of like, wait a minute, there's something up here. Like, and it's the classic, yeah, the Bill Pullman sniffing around thing. Like he knows he that this is not him? like the, a factual relationship. Yeah, but then it just like, yeah, and he so falls weird. in love with yeah. I don't I don't that part's believable. That part feels very code, feels very codependent to me. Yeah. I don't think it's. I, I, there need to be a sequel to find out. Did Jack and Lucy make it? <laughs> yeah. My guess is no. They both. They probably fought all the time. They got married you know, too fast. He, while you were divorcing, he, quit, he yeah. He probably had a falling out with his family because he quit the company and then probably failed to sell as many furniture. Rocky chairs That's as what he I was going to say. Yeah, is that really yeah. sustainable? I mean, you got to be really good at that. God. And all due respect, you know, listen, you know, she probably didn't make that much money, the job that she had. So they probably fought over finances. I don't know. I don't the think she was the marrying type in the end. Like, I think her character was pretty happy. I mean, she being... was pretty set on the first the first 30 seconds of the film. I'm looking for my Prince Charming and my dad Yeah, but and I don't his think wife. she really wanted that. Mm-hmm. I, I think she did. I think nah, she did. I, I don't think she nah, did. I, okay. I think yeah. she got I'm pregnant. I think Judd's just like making yeah, this up. I, right I now. hated the kid. About? She got <laughs> pregnant. They had a kid. She couldn't stand the little brat. Jack Jack went to the bar and got drunk too much. I mean, I just are you just, is this up. was this the Zolgad last twenty five years or was this Sandra Bullock? Bullock's no, I didn't have a kid. Are you kidding? Yeah. Are you just explaining yeah. yourself? Right <laughs> now? What's happening? I didn't have a kid, so <laughs> oh my god. All right, Lee, we're on Declan yep. for least believable here. Uh, a couple of things. I, I kind of just want to put the whole hospital scenes, everything about the hospital, the fact that she was able to get back in there, the the dumb nurse that basically buys the fact that she's the fiance, um, how the fact that the neighbor does convince him that, like, no, like, you were engaged to her. It was a whole thing, and, like, you just have amnesia, but he was able to rifle off every other single fact. Yep. And, he, and he also just, like, buys it. He just is like, oh, I guess you're right. Like, I just thought the whole, every scene basically in the hospital to me was super unbelievable. It didn't make any, it didn't follow hospital protocols. The, <laughs> the, the, just the whole scene of them convince, he convincing her that like, yes, you guys are a couple and you're engaged and she's the one, this is Lucy. I just thought it was incredibly not believable at all. Yeah. Also like when they're meeting her for the first time and they're all back in the waiting room and they start asking, like they asked her a couple questions about how'd you meet? And she doesn't lie. She says, well, he smiled at me. And uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, they just stop asking questions. Like that was it. Just two, two. So they're just going to wait together for hours and hours and they're not going to find out any more information about this mysterious fiance. It was very, it was very bizarre. Super weird. It was very, very All right. Uh, back over to Judd for, actually, no, it's my turn on yes. least believable. Least believable. Okay. What do you got? Um, my least believable thing was the fact that the cat hadn't eaten or drank anything in days. Did you guys notice that part? What was that? So Pat was on the so the, that was that was right. Yeah. What time are we going? When are we starting? Can I do it without time? my headphones? No, you can't. Okay, then give me a call. <laughs> Text me and then call me two minutes after that. Is literally what he's. It's. It, I love the guy. He's the, he's the best. Pat, we record at the same time basically every day within like a ten minute window. Yeah. Are you ready? When are we going? When are we At going? The same are time. you ready yet? <laughs> I, what I've learned the most over the last year about myself is I am no longer the most impatient person on this planet. It's Patrick Royce. Oh, it's you not got even, nothing not on even, him. I never knew yeah. that. Oh, never yeah, knew you're that. not close. Yep. We got to go. We got to go. Um, so, 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 so Sandra or Lucy had spent multiple days, I believe. I'm trying to like figure out what the timeline was. But like this dude's in a coma, mm-hmm. and she's at the hospital, and she's bouncing around, and she's with Jack over here. And then all of a sudden, she's like, Got his stuff. 
and it, and there's a there's some wet canned cat food in the bag, right? Ugh. And she goes over to Peter's apartment and feeds this cat some canned cat food. That cat presumably has been has been sitting there for days without food or water. And I feel like that was just a weird part to throw in. Least believable. That cat would not have survived without drinking water for two or three days. Cats, cats can live off food for like two weeks, not water for like two or three days. That cat would have been dead. And that's that, the least believable part. And that hmm. cat was Peter's girlfriend's cat, correct? Who comes back? The at one the that end. went to Portugal. Yeah. Yes. yes. But then she came. Okay. We had fake nose and fake. Uh, like there were so many. Peter, things I've been they doing set some up. thinking, and uh, sure, I'll marry you. Yeah. Uh, there were certain things I don't know if they were truly necessary. Let me put it that way. Yeah, it was kind of a weird, weird hook. Like they just right, threw cheesiest her Cheesiest part. Um, okay, cheesiest part. In the hospital again, when Jack is playing cards with Peter in a coma, and and he's literally saying, and like Peter is the is the success of the family. He's a lawyer. He's well-dressed. He lives in downtown Chicago. Jack is supposed to be this guy who talks about how he got called into the principal's office and asked, why can't you be more like Peter? And so he's the, he's the sheep of the family and he's playing cards. And despite all of the things that Peter has succeeded at in life, like all of the things Jack is like, I was fine with that. And, and it's, you know, you're, you're the greatest and I wasn't and blah, blah, blah. But now you've got something I want. And it's this woman he barely knows again. So, yeah. like, the whole thing about the whole thing with Lucy, who, don't get me wrong, I'm sure she's very nice and she is cute. But um, really, like, this is the first thing. Like, this guy's rich beyond belief, probably. He's got this great apartment. He's, he's clearly seen as the stalwart of the family, the pride and joy. And, and this is the, and this now is the thing while you're playing cards with the comatose guy. And, come on. Okay. If you could, okay, I like where you're going here. So if you're Jack or if you're Judd or you're Declan and you could have one of these three things from Peter, you could have Lucy, you could have his high paying lawyer job, which also probably comes with a ton of pressure and anxiety, right? Yeah. Yep. Or you could have his apartment. Oh. Well, it's not close. Yeah, I don't think this is close for me. I, I go to the apartment. Oh, yeah, three. Mm-hmm. And don't look yeah, back. Three, one, two. two. If I had to Pretty rank badass. Three, one, two. I mean, it was like overlooking, I think, Lake Michigan. Yeah. Three, one, two. Three, one, two, Chicago. Area. Oh my there God, you go. you're onto something. Wow, boom. While you boom. were thinking, um, <laughs> yeah, that that's not tough. But anyway, like the fact that this is the this is the one thing that's finally gonna, you know, be oh, this is what I want. I want Lucy. I don't know. I want your apartment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know <laughs> what? Too. Here's the other thing. He's in a coma. I want your twentieth floor penthouse. He's in a coma. You have no, you have no idea when he comes out of the coma what type of shape Peter is going to be in. Just smother him. It's a movie. (laughs) Just kill him. Just kill him. I mean, you don't know. You might be doing him a favor. Security cameras, though. You know this film was so. This film was so out there that I think he could have gotten away with it. Uh, Dex cheesiest part that the the scene on ice just the, the that that was Judd's least favorite part. Mine easily was that whole whole scene of them dancing around and trying yeah, to stay yeah. on their feet and yeah the ripped pants. But there is it a was, sidewalk, right? I think so. Like you can see a sidewalk in the shot. Yeah, I think so. But it, yeah, the whole that whole thing. Like I said that dropped a, that dropped a peg in the rankings for me just for that forty five seconds alone. It was it was yep. horrible. It was cringy. I'm going to say uh, Joe Jr. and his little, like, you deserve better speech at the end. Where yeah, he's kind of conceding, weird. like, all right, I'm, I'm no longer pursuing you, but you deserve better. And it was kind of weird. Yeah, very like that. That's a good one. 
Yeah. All right. Production notes on here. I alluded to this earlier, but Sandra Bullock was not the first choice to play Lucy. Both Demi Moore and Julia Roberts were offered Demi. the role of Lucy, but turned it down. Demi Moore would not have done this. I don't. Or not have done a good job at this in my opinion. No, she Julia would have been, Roberts well, could have been a really weird movie. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. Julia Roberts would have been yeah. perfect. This, she be she would have been. Yeah. Probably the only upgrade over at the time, like mid nineties. Julia Roberts. What was the film that she did about? Marriage, uh, my best friend's wedding. Yes, you this, feel, this feels that. a little bit, a little bit like that. Not entirely right, but like the characters. Yeah, it's a little bit, yeah, yeah. No, it's the same vibe. Also Cameron saw that Diaz in the theater. Movie. Yeah, that's you actually. A, I I recall that being a cute film. Yeah, uh, the original screenplay for this movie was not called While You Were Sleeping. Uh-huh. It was called Coma Guy. Oh, the title. <laughs> the The title changed shortly after being acquired by Caravan Pictures. The movie was. Literally called Coma Guy. <laughs> that would not have done. Yeah, no. It's pretty funny. If it was like Coma um, Love, like Coma Love, even like that would have been better. But Coma Guy, that doesn't make. Any I don't think sense. I would have gotten seen it if Coma had been in the title. Yeah, it's true. It's probably a good yeah. idea. Doesn't doesn't really hook you. Um, all right, before we get to our definitive relationship rankings and the overall uh, grade for this movie, a quick shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, they can't provide insurance for uh, you know falling off of a platform onto the tracks for you personally, but you know if it affects your business in some way, they're here to protect you. Risk management tools, resources, uh, summer weather can bring storm problems, which can knock out you know various uh, things related to I don't know your your internet services, your uh, security services, basically anything that could be a threat to your business. Federated has resources and an answer for. So find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys, definitive relationship ranking. So we're looking for chemistry between the two main relationship characters. Uh, to this point, Hitch and Sarah from Hitch are leading the pack with an 8.8 score out of 10. Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly from You Got Mail, 8.3, tied with Ben Barry and Andy Anderson from How to Lose a Guy, in 10 days, Ben and Lindsay from Fever Pitch at 6.7, uh, Melanie and Redneck Jake from Sweet Home Alabama at a 6.2, and Sam and Annie from Sleepless in Seattle at a 3.3. So how would you grade Lucy and Jack from While You Were Sleeping? I am going to give them, because I like the actors, Okay. The script itself was a little bit odd because Phil's right. It was sort of creepy at times. I'm going to give him a six. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the chemistry is very, very strong from the start. It's pretty clear that there's a connection there. Mistletoe. You, you two should mistletoe, kiss despite the fact that your brother's. Despite in a cold to the horrible, cheesy part that I hate. I mean, there's clearly something at play there. Yep. Um, she takes them to. That party, he kind of sabotages it because she thinks she's pregnant. I think the chemistry is real here. And I am going to give them an 8 out of 10. I think the chemistry is pretty good. And I'm giving them an 8. This makes it easy. I'm giving it a 7. Very solid chemistry. A little awkward, uncomfortable. I would have been curious to see more Peter. I I would have been curious to see what the Sandra Bullock, Peter Gallagher chemistry could have been. But uh, we're never going to really get that. We only mm-hmm. got to see them interact. He sort of plays a buffoon w- once he does yeah, he's dumb. awake, right? He's, a, he's kind of yeah. a dummy. Like for a really successful yes. lawyer, he's like, oh, what's going on? So many potential follow-up comments to that that I'm going to keep to myself for the sake of not 
alienating part of our audience. Uh, but uh, Lucy and Jack, uh, a seven, which brings them in fourth place just ahead of Ben and Lindsay from okay. Fever Pit. So, All right. Right. That's, so, you know what? That's very fair. Yeah. Not too bad. Very not fair. too bad. Ben and Lindsay. Um, more codependence. Overall entertainment value, one through 10. Hitch is a nine. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 8.8. 8. You've got Mail, 7.7. 7. Sleepless in Seattle, 7.2. Fever Pitch, 6.3. Sweet Home Alabama, a six. Judd? Hmm. Fever Pitch was a 6.3? Yes. Okay. I'm going to give this a 6.5. I was going to give it a six, but I actually think it's. Here's my problem. I don't think the script is great. I think the acting's really good. So I don't want to penalize the actors, but I don't want to praise the film too much. I'm going 6.5. Okay. Uh, this is the first time I've seen this movie. I've never seen it before. Before but your it's, time. It was, uh, yeah, I think I was born like just a couple months before. I think this came out in 93, correct? 95. Oh, 95. I was, I was two and a half, three. Yeah, um, well, I'm sure you didn't see it then. <laughs> anywho. Uh, hey mom, can we go see this? Oh, I did have we did this have this on VCR because we were a big VCR family. I remember we did have this on the VCR shelf, right. but, but you didn't but watch never, it. Never, never really watched it. And we were a family too that watched a lot of inappropriate movies. Not that this one was inappropriate, right. but no, I never saw it. But I liked it, uh, and I like Sandra Bullock. Um, it's it's a good pace. I know Judd still thinks it's too long. I thought it was it was fine for the runtime. I'm gonna give it a solid seven. I think it's a seven out of ten. It's a seven. Out. It's probably one of those movies. If I saw it on TV, I'd watch a couple scenes during for a yeah. commercial break, and then I'd flip. I wouldn't like be glued to it. Though. I like that. I like how you put that. Seven out of ten. It's an eight and a half for me. Oh wow! I really, really, I, I really like this movie. This is a movie that if it's on TV, I'm interested in watching. You know, part of it until there's a commercial break or something. Um, I think Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman are just great '90s and early 2000s characters. Yes. Peter Gallagher wasn't he on the OC in yep. the early 2000s? Yep, still acting you know, a so lot. Just some, some great star power here in this movie, and I love the plot. I think it's a great – I think it's just a great, like, fluffy, unrealistic, but mindless, entertaining plot, and it was creative. It's a very creative way to, like, put a spin on on a rom-com. So I was here for it. 8.7, which makes it a 7.3 mm-hmm. between the three of us, putting it just ahead of Sleepless in Seattle and just behind You've Got Mail. Okay. You guys feel That's comfortable with that? Yes. Yeah. That's perfect, actually. Yep. Cool. So, uh, all right. So, a few options here. Uh, you guys want to keep the rom com train rolling here for another week or two? Sure. Go on a, yeah. go on a run here? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, obviously, I've been pumping the American president. Um, some other options here My Best Friend's Wedding, which Judd just brought up. That's the, I think that movie came out a couple years after this, but My Best Friend's Wedding is definitely worth reviewing at some point. Uh, she's All That, we've talked about. Yep. And, she's, uh, and she's out of my league. She's oh. all that was Paul Walker, Freddie yes. Prince Jr., and a couple others. I, I am all in on the latter two. Yeah, those, you know those, what? Let, those last two, yeah. like especially the last. She's that's out a bit of, of a curveball too. She's right? out of my league. Is like one of my Who's favorite films of all time. Who's in that text? Not even kidding. Uh, Jay Bruchel, uh Alice Eve, T.J. Miller. Um, those are the main suspects. I've, I, I have never seen. Uh, she's out the of my mom league. from that '70s show plays Kirk's mom. Oh, she's um, great. Yeah. Yes, this is this okay. is one of my all time favorites. Let's Should do we do it? She's, She's out of my, my league. Right. Oh, my God. She's out of my league. I'm so Let's excited. Oh, my God. I'm right. so we'll, excited. Hold on. I, I got to we'll check trust on, it. on the runtime. Uh, it's oh, quick. Three hours. Oh, is it gone? Yeah. It's like gone <laughs> it's with gone the wind? With, it's got an intermission. <laughs> All right. We, we'll awesome. let Judd check on the runtime here before we go ahead. It's uh, 
Oh, that's fine. I, I yeah, was just it's, gonna... it's quick. I saw like uh, I'll, I, I'm going to say my facts. I can't even say anymore. I'll have to save for next week. Hour forty four, Judd. Hour forty four. Oh, perfect, perfect. Hour forty four. What? What's perfect. the one that Melissa Joan Hart did with? Um, oh, who's the guy that died? The actor that died. The um, he was in like Batman. Oh, uh, um, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Yeah. Bert, Bert Ward. Yeah. Oh, Bert Ward. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart and Bert Ward. Who was like, no, but um, are you thinking of um, what? What film was that? Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah, that's another great one too. Yeah, I love that movie too. Great film. But yes. wait, Melissa Joan Hart was in that. Movie? I don't think she is. But but you're thinking. I mean, uh, yeah, you're thinking of. Um, she was in one. Julia Julia Stiles. Julia aren't Stiles. You? Okay. Well, then there was a Melissa Joan Hart Big one fan. that she did as well with with him. I thought though. Now, now I'm on a rabbit hole on Google here. Yeah, so, just go find it. Oh, Drive Machine. So Drive Me Crazy with Adrian oh, Grenier. Awesome. Oh, that's, you know what? You know what? I just got those confused. That's what it I is? I think that was it, yes. Okay. Both those films okay. are great, too. But, yes, she's out of my league. Sounds perfect for next week. Wow. All right. Awesome. Turn in your men. I love a good so teen, teen films oh, are great. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Teen love films are great. I might watch, like, I'm a big three or three fan. times over the next week. John Cusack's got a lot of good ones, too. <laughs> back in the day. Oh, man. Little Must Love Dogs. We could do some oh, of forget too. about that. Go go back to his original film catalog. Those sure. are those are the yeah. greatest. Yeah. Better I, off I, dead. I enjoy some Better John off Cusack. dead is a Better off dead is one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. All right, boys, that was a good session there. That's a wrap on Mackie and Judd today. Please, if you could, give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcast. Help spread the word about the show, and we'll see you guys next week. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.